0: But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now?
2: <laughs> smile. Read it R. Only in theatre September 30th. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find our shows on iTunes or
1: visit the website, castaway.media. Hello, how you doing? Good to see you again. Welcome to episode 28 of Potterooney. Last week I had Frank Kelly on and I got a great reaction from people. I'd like to thank all the people who sent me tweets and Messages on Facebook in reaction to the Frank Kelly interview, particularly Wall and Co. The two the tea people in Portobello and Dublin. I'll be in for a bag of loose tea soon, without a doubt. And it's great to get a reaction from people because, as I said maybe last week, there's no advertising on this. I don't get paid for it. It's not interrupted with ads from banks telling you how they love you and they will help you raise your family and will come into the maternity ward and help you have children and have their arm around you and they really love you and then at the end of the ad where they talk really quickly and they go warning if you don't give up your payments we'll take your house and rob your children and shoot your dog terms and conditions apply so there's none of that going on here so it's free and I hope you enjoy it and I I just want you to uh, give me more feedback. And if you're on iTunes, I know you can give a star rating and a review. So please do that. Just take the time to do that because it means a lot to me. Thanks. This week I'm going to be talking to um, Michael Collins, the actor, who many people uh, will remember him from Rowe from years ago. He did uh, one episode or two episodes maybe on Killin' a Scully as well. And he was in a couple of really great films. Man About Dog, King of the Travelers. And an amazing film called Pavi Lakin, which I would really recommend you to watch if you can find it somewhere. Yeah, so I was last weekend. I was over in Edinburgh with doing some gigs on the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I brought the kids as well. And uh, it's Halloween weekend, but brilliant place to be, Edinburgh, because we went on this tour of the vaults underneath the underneath near the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, kind of, right in in under the ground. And uh, oh, I was cool. We had this guide a girl who was fantastic, and she basically tried to scare the shit out of us and she was pretty good at it. And she told us about certain ghosts that appeared in different little rooms in these caverns. Uh, You know, they're really dark, right down under the ground. And uh, I was hoping to see a ghost. I was really looking forward to seeing it. I mean, she basically said that they do do turn up. I don't know if she was um, kidding us, but uh, nothing turned up. But it was really good, great fun and that was that was Friday night and then on the Saturday we were recommended to go to a place called the Dome for uh, for lunch because they basically have this, it's a massive big old restaurant and like before they opened there's a queue to get in because they do it all up like a big it's done up like Christmas, like the kitchest decorations, massive tree full of uh, baubles and all sorts of lights and things going on just pure Christmas on Halloween day and on our way up the street towards the dome it was snowing and we were like oh my god it's snowing this is amazing this is really cool and we felt all Christmassy for, for a while for a good while you know, going in queuing in seeing the decorations we had something to eat it was all Christmassy the waiter said to us oh it is, it's snowing outside isn't that amazing and I went yeah that's pretty cool um, we had something to eat and then we walked back out and, and, and the snow was still falling but when it hit the ground it turned into bubbles and, and then we looked up and we saw it was a snow machine on the roof of the building but still it was pretty cool I recommend you go there just for a nice kitschy Christmassy a couple of hours if you're in Edinburgh. It's called the Dome. Yeah. So, enough of my rambling. Uh, let's listen to uh, my chat with Michael Collins. <laughs> A sound check. No, we're okay. Oh, we're okay. Right yeah. on. So uh, Michael, I, I know you're in town for the play. The play is running uh, the next two weeks, is it? you No, you-
0: it's it opened last Wednesday and it finishes on Saturday the seventh of November. Yeah. And there's a matinee on a two and uh, the show then finishes yeah. that evening, so
1: and uh, I know there's a basic story is there's, it's called Foxy.
0: It's called Foxy, yeah, and um, it's uh, it's about redheads. Yeah, there's a young uh, a student in it uh, who's redheaded who becomes the guard. Mm-hmm. There's a mother with a redheaded child, and then it kind of cuts into uh, another kind of a side story, which um, is about um, when the little blonde-haired child was taken off the Romanian gypsies yeah. because it had blonde hair and blue eyes, and it was uh, mainly um, um, a racial profiling from from the behalf of the guards, I would say, in mm-hmm. the storyline, you know, the 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 act the um, over overreacted on the situation and took the child away. So that I play the father of that child from a traveller's perspective.
1: Yes, from a traveller's, not a gypsy. Not a gypsy perspective. No, gypsy perspective
0: yet, perspective. no yet, they're yet. out of the country at the moment, so it's we just change it over to the traveller's perspective because it can still happen uh, to travellers because mm-hmm. uh, there, there's, there's um, I think it's called the Pulse system where there's 40 uh, travelling families their children and babies are registered in this Pulse system, which to me is racial profiling when it comes to travellers and the guards. Why would they be uh, profiled in Pulse? Uh, well, see, that's the question. And one of the reasons why the Pulse system is there is to keep an eye on criminals and, and uh, undesirables or is involved in criminal activity. But how mm. could a six-month uh, six-month uh, uh, old child be a criminal and
1: how, how do you know their profiles uh,
0: well oh. the information was leaked out by a journalist uh, last year or the year oh. before so it's, it's it is definitely happening but they're, oh. still, they're still denying it but it's not just travellers on it but there are 40 uh, travelling families yeah. their children and other ba- babies are on babies. it babies yeah. mm-hmm. specifically babies because I think the story was a traveller woman went in to get a passport for her child uh-huh. and she was told that she couldn't bring the child over of the country and she couldn't get the passport and she wanted to know why Because, and then there was something that some relation of theirs was involved in some criminal activity and that's where the story broke so the baby was registered on the system at six months old
1: as as a criminal
0: yeah probably robbed the nappy or something maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But that—that's that's the pub system in here.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, can I just go back? Um, where did you uh, grow up? And where were you born? And
0: um, I was—I you... uh, was born on the—I was born in the border of Mead and Westmead.
1: Mead. Yeah, yeah. And
0: the story goes that. Uh, we were staying outside of a little town called Kilbegan in Westmead. Kilbegan
1: and Altwell, yeah, the yeah, whiskey yeah, distillery. Yeah, lovely little
0: village. And my mother went into labour and my father ran to the priest's house to get an ambulance. Yeah. Again, the ambulance came back. It was a couple of hours, so she got into the back of the ambulance to make her way to Mullingar Hospital to have this beautiful child, which was me. Yeah. And a tree broke down the road. Really? So I was born in the back of an ambulance. Really? I was, board run, I was born on the border of Mead and Westmead. <laughs> so I went for the better team. So I'm a Mead man. <laughs> <laughs> Not many joke, I'm only joking. I'm, I'm a mixture of both Mead and Westmead. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. So
0: right. I was born in Kilbegan um, and...
1: And uh, how many brothers and sisters? I
0: have uh, I have seven brothers and three sisters yeah. and uh, my mother and father, And well, my mother lost one baby. Yeah. And uh, I'm black as people would know me from uh, Glenrow and mm. other stuff I've in. my two other brothers are blonde and the rest are mad red people really? everyone and brothers and sisters all redheaded and I'm hoping I'm trying to get somebody to come down and see this play that I'm in which is about redheads Yeah, because uh, they would have been at the brunt of the name calling as well just for being a redhead what's their, so redhead? Can, what's their
1: name Colin is the
0: it way, would you believe it down around the country um, uh, and I, th- I think in Dublin as well that um, the associated red haired people with uh, Travellers, which is the, the Red Knacker. And the, the, the thing was... Ah. Uh, um, uh, red head piss in the bed, knacker, knacker, knacker. So
1: Jeez, when you it? had
0: that uh, mm. red hair, you were... Um, yeah you were seen as uh, one of those other people one of those uh, Travellers Knackers that's funny because
1: I'd never heard that any of that and I was actually surprised when I started doing gigs in uh, in England and uh, and they'd be like English comedians going oh oh you're a ginge and all that and I'd be going what the what's yeah. crack
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I
1: yeah. didn't even know what a ging I didn't well, realise it was ginger yeah. well was I tell
0: you there's more than one name for a redhead and it's in this play Jesus there's a whole load of them yeah, yeah fire truck uh, uh, yeah. red minge does
1: It's all over the place. Change binge, yeah. So, what did your father do then?
0: My father um, was—he used to do labour work an awful lot, and they would have—they would—he would have done what travellers done at the time, which was Mm. um, tin smitten, seasonal work, um, Mm. collecting scrap, uh, buying and selling, all that type of stuff. That's what travellers did at the time. Yeah. And then when the, the plastic died out. Uh, sorry, when the plastic came in, the tin yeah. smitten died out. Mm. The come by harvester came come in and killed off the seasonal work. So travellers yeah. had to move to cities in order to get social welfare because they needed a permanent address. And of course, the permanent address was be moved into these big fields with no facilities. Uh, sometimes you,
1: is, was this part of your life?
2: Is oh, it, it you're was, yeah. About well, yeah,
0: yeah. The first show I wrote was Cultural Thing, A traveling in Progress. And it's based from the, from when I was born in 66, right up to date. And we would have went through all that. Because hmm. I remember the tin smitten. I slept under a wagon. I slept in a wagon. I slept in the old traditional tents. I slept in the trailers. And then we moved to the tin huts. And I slept in the tin huts. And then back in the mobile for 20 years. And then back in a house. So, Yeah. And did you move? Were you moving? Were you the interesting thing, no. No. In the early 60s, we would have moved up to them in around the mid-70s and then we had to move to Dublin and we moved to Finglas for the social welfare and that's when... Yeah, but you were
1: uh, for... Social welfare reasons, but you weren't actually what do you call it, nomadic.
0: Nomadic, no, we would have no. been nomadic in the early uh, 60s and 70s. Now, a couple of times we did mm. pull out of the site and travel out to another camp and then travel back in again, right? A couple of months out and back in again, so we would have done that, yeah. yeah.
1: Summertime, I suppose. Yeah,
0: so. well, you know, I think that all uh, all travelers get itchy feet in around the springtime and mm. they want to move, you know, and it's it's something that's in 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 grossness that's you know, that at that, that time of the year you just want to get out and go, and that's the reason why you know people say, I you're living in a house and you're a settled traveller and so how could you call yourself a real traveller it's nothing got really to do with that mm. as far as I'm concerned there's no such thing as a settled traveller and one of my mm. favourite lines is you could put me living in Dublin Castle but it wouldn't make me any less a traveller mm. and that's why I truly believe and I always believe that traveler get, travellers get itchy feet around the springtime
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do, um, yeah. Finn Barfury was in here and he said that they would all load up around...
0: Yeah, and move on, yeah. And just yeah. for the summer. Just for the summer and then move back in the winter because the winter is very hard and people mm. that would have lived through the winter, which I did myself a couple of times uh, as a child, it's, were, it's, it's no
1: picnic. Were you w- uh, in uh, a tent type thing during the winter?
0: I oh, remember bit, we lived in a tent uh, in Prosper's Hill... And uh, it was a big, long hill down, down into the village. And I remember, I think my daddy went down to the village for to have a couple of pints or he was gone off somewhere. Mm. And this gush of wind came up along the hill and it drove the cover up into the ditch. Jesus. And I, I remember me and my mummy and Martin trying to drag this cover down back over the wattles and we had to go and get stones and to try to howl it down. Yeah. You know, we, we were lying there hoping it wouldn't blow up in the ditch again. But many here stories were... Travelers would be living on hills, and and you'd be in the tents, and you'd have you'd be lying on the straw, and then the, if it rained that night, you would have the water running down the hill, which would run right under the tent, and you'd be you'd be soaked. So, wasn't an easy life! But then the wagon came along, so you were up over the wheels, mm. so that yeah. meant you were up over the water. Mm. You know. And what then, kind of a tent are you talking about, though? Is that is it, that a traditional? It's an old traditional tent, which yeah. would have been. I mean, what, what you had was you had a rigging pole. So, say mm. if you have this long, uh, say two by two. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was about 12 foot long and you had you bolt holes in it mm. then you got hazelwood wood, sticks and you made wattles right. which would keep it out and then you put the cover over it Right. so you had a tent not like these tents that you get and you pull a wire and they pop and it pops up no no not them ones at all these were the old would traditional tents would it be tent.
1: like a yurt you, you know the yurts, the Tibetan thing you know, it's, uh, it's it's
0: something rubber. similar but it's almost it's like the shape of a uh, it's almost like the shape of a top of a van. Right. You know, that out over round
1: shape. Round shape. Yeah. yeah. Like and the old uh, wagons the cowboys had. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah? Exactly.
0: Because right. if you take the old traditional tent and put it on top of the wagon, that's where the wagon came from. Oh, okay. Some fella came, came along and says, geez, if I had that up on wheels now, it would be a lot better. Oh, so he stuck right. it up on wheels. Yeah. And that's where the wagon I'm came from. from. So travellers built their own wagons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have the traveller traditional wagon, which is the old barrel top wagon. Yeah. You have the gypsy traditional wagon, which is the square wagon. Square one, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. the square wagon was h harder on the horses because of the when the wind was coming up along the road or up the oh, hill. It was caught the wind. It was caught the wind yeah. and the old barrel top didn't yeah. it went over it so it was easy on the horse. Yeah. And that's where the the, the, the cowway wagons come from as well. So Something very similar. Maybe, you know, there was an awful lot of travellers that went over with the famine. Maybe we built the wagon as well.
1: You never know. You never know. (laughs) I had John Connors in here and he he loved the old Western movies. Do you think travellers identify with the... the, Uh, the I I have to
0: say that I would... deliberately record as many Western movies as I can. Yeah. And when all the children are gone to school and I'm not working I would just sit there and look at them. I loved them. Really? Yeah. Love them, yeah. I always love the cowboy films. And I think the whole sense of, of the campfire and the, the storytelling and the singing and the freedom. It's just beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, on, yeah. Out in the prairies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Out in the prairie, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, we yeah. identify with that type of stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and, and then were you uh were, uh, were you educated at home or did you go to school or did
0: you? I went to school um, yeah. uh, and, and um, I tell you now the, the school I went to uh, which an awful lot of people don't realise but from the early 60s, 70s even up to the early 90s mm. there was segregated classrooms for travellers Really? Yeah Yeah and out in Fingless and St Joseph's we went to the girls school because the boys school had their quota yeah. of travellers Ah. And uh, we were told where, where, where was this now again in Finglas, yeah, 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 the St Kevin's and St Joseph's, yeah. and the the line in the players, we weren't allowed to go into St, we weren't allowed to go into the 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 boys' school because they had their their fair share of travellers, so we had to go into the girls' school, uh, but it was a free frab. I wouldn't hold at the back of the school, travellers only, forty. What, took, you, what did, it is primary now? Uh, is we went in at maybe seven or eight years of age, and we yeah. stood into one school until we were twelve, and took out to do seasonal work. But um, we weren't, even though we were there for five or six years, uh, there was, as I said, there was 11 in in my family. They all went through that school and none of us came out reading and writing. None of us. Really? No, we weren't taught how to read and write. It was a segregated school. Uh, the, the same will wasn't put into teaching the travellers as they would have teaching settled people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a segregated play time. We weren't allowed to play in the That's same yard. Serious. And sometimes... Oh, what
1: year are you talking
0: about? Uh, 1976 to about 1981 or two. Oh, wow. after, after I made my confirmation, we were pulled out of it. But my younger brothers and sisters would have went through the same school and there mm-hmm. was a. We weren't allowed to play. There was a segregated playtime for us. We weren't allowed to play with the settled children, mm-hmm. even though we had girls in our class. They weren't allowed to play with the other girls in the class in, on the playground. And then at a, at a certain time, we'd be brought out and we'd be given plastic bags to pick up the rubbish after the settled children went in from the playtime. That's really hard to
1: to believe that well, in d- the eighties. Yeah. Well, it's not do you know that long ago? Well,
0: do you know something, Joe? See, this mm. is the interesting thing about what's hard to believe and what's not hard to believe about our society. Mm. Um, you know, that terrible tragedy happened in... In In... Cargali- in, in um, Cargilline, is Car- it? Car- no, not Cargilline, yeah. Carrigan. Carrick Mines, Carrick Mines, Sorry, yeah, Carrick Mines, and uh, you know um, the the outpour of sympathy from uh, from the settled community mm. uh, it w- was was very heartwarming, and you know it was a terrible time for travellers, and it was great to see people out and the 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 flag flew at half mask and uh, mm. there was a minute of silence at the Ireland football national game, and it was great, and then two mm. days after, the the the, the ugly um, underbelly of race and roses head again.
1: I find this amazing. I, like, we've got people who might be listening to this from America and, and are living abroad. Can we just go through what happened? There was a fire.
0: Yeah, there was, it was um, a, a halting site where there was ten fam- uh, five or six families living on it. And they were living in porter cabins. Mm-hmm. And there was no dividing wall. And a fire happened. And ten people were burned to death, including five children. Mm-hmm. So there's five adults and five children. Mm -hmm. and um, there was as I said there was an awful outpouring of grief and uh, you know the solidarity was great and then two days after
1: two days after this then the remaining far are relatives
0: people, yeah. or was it people who were
1: living in the same
0: yes they they, they, they were trying They were trying to look for emergency accommodation emergency for, to them be they, for yeah. six
1: months I think they were going to
0: six months until there was a permanent accommodation um, um, provided so there was a field in Carrick Mines uh, which was owned by the, the county council and they nominated that and as soon as they did uh, some, now not all of the settled people in that area, mm. some of the people in the housing estate parked their cars outside the gates and blocked the entrance and protested against having travellers living beside him.
1: This is a family who 10 of their family had burnt to death two days before this. Yes,
0: and two little boys, one little four-year-old who was badly burnt in hospital and his Mm. brother were orphaned. Mm.
1: And yet people could, could... find it within themselves to publicly protest about that. Protest
0: uh, against that. Uh, and, mm. and, and that was very, very hard to take for the families and, and, and the travelling community living in the Bray area. Mm. Um, and then I went to the funeral in Bray and there was something like sixteen or 1,700 people, which was, mm. you know, a massive big funeral. And um, it was a very sad funeral. There was two mm. little white coffins there and three adult coffins. Mm. And then I went to, uh, to Wexford of another funeral where there was three white coffins and two adults so that was a whole family Mm. of uh, Connorses and um, on the way down to Wexford actually the funeral mass was in Dublin so the coffins were brought down the night before Mm. so you had a a family of uh, travellers travelling down in the back of hearses going to Wexford town that evening just to be brought into the church Mm. and Wexford closed down pubs shops restaurants hotels car parks and uh, really? I went yeah I went down to the funeral the next day you're saying
1: that they didn't want to be open because they didn't want travellers coming they didn't into want travellers
0: in the town was the feeling I got it wasn't our respect I know what respect is my father was buried in Eden Derry and people pulled the shutters down for a couple mm. of hours and they pushed them back up again even in Wicklow at the time mm. in Bray there was no shops closed people could get a cup of coffee could get a sandwich uh, next morning I was at the funeral and one of these women traveller woman from the local town oh, recognised me and she came over and she says thanks very much for coming down and I said it's a sad situation and I was trying to lighten the mood and I said look it's great to see some of the settled people out and she said it is she says but last night she says when those coffins were coming down they closed Wexford town completely down mm. uh, they closed it down it's closed down today and they will be closed down all day today and I went right and she says uh, the travellers and the local people had to travel 20 kilometres to get fags and bread and milk outside of Wexford Town. Now, don't get me wrong, Joe. I worked in Wexford Town a couple of times doing shows. I had a great town, a great time. I actually very, very fond of Wexford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some local people who live down beside me from Wexford. Uh, Billy Roach is, you know, the writer, oh, yeah, the ro- wrote playwright. a film. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a film called mm-hmm. uh, Trojan Eddie, which I worked on. So okay. I have high respect for Wexford people. And mm-hmm. I think when the town was closed down, we had some Wexford people and some Wexford councillors going on Facebook saying, "You closed down the town because of this funeral and the travelling community, but not in our behalf."
1: I'm going to try so and explain... Who, who closed the town? Are you talking about the vintners, the people who own the pubs, or yeah, was doing we, this? We
0: tried to find out, and I think it has something got to do with the owners, the vintners, and the guards. We mm. don't. We, we, we just know they were closed down.
1: The councillor said, this is not on our behalf.
0: Yeah, but, Joe, if people say to me, you know, do you understand this, the fear that settled people have? And for for years I was trying to say, I do, yeah, I do understand. The fear yeah.
1: that they have of travel. Yeah,
0: and I said, I do understand, you know, and, 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 and OK, I... Uh, people in Wexford decided to close the pubs for a couple of hours as the funeral was going on, so, because alcohol and and, 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 and and the people who drink alcohol sometimes it doesn't work, you know. And uh-huh. that, that that's the same for settled people as it is for travellers. Yeah. And you be you mean you be you you be you know be worried about something happening. But for God's sake, Joe, chippers us. Spars. A car park closed. Me and Catherine tried to drive in for a car park. They said, sorry, we're closed. Now, this is something that made me very, very angry.
2: Yeah.
0: And as I was standing there, Joe, I was thinking to myself, do I understand settled people's fears? What sort of people, Joe, do they think we are?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the most important thing to us is family, children.
2: Yeah.
0: The most important thing is their christening, their confirma- the holy communion, their confirmation and their weddings. I mean, what would make... Well, what, what sort of people do they think we are that we would go down mm. and cause trouble at a funeral where there was three white coffins and two the mother and father what sort of people I mean what sort of image do they have mm. and can I just put a question to the settled people who, that, who 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 will ever ask me that question again mm. what fear is the local authorities creating what fear is the guards creating mm. to the next generation of young Wexford people
2: mm.
0: travellers unsettled people when they're going to say this town closed down for two days mm. because of a traveller's funeral I mean, are these people really fucking evil? Are they bad?
1: I'm just going to... I don't know. I was going to... I had some quotes I was going to get because I was looking up... Before I talked to you, I thought, I'll do some research and whatever. And uh, I've got found quotes from a councillor up in Donegal when there was a house burnt down, uh, I think Ballyshannon, that was been built so a, a mm. Traveller family could move into it. <clears throat> Somebody yes. burnt the house down. Yes. And this uh, Councillor in Donegal said they should be segregated. You know, and this is uh, actually only about three years ago, Joe, 2012.
0: Joe, there has been a number of houses which has been allocated by the Council for Travellers mm-hmm. uh, um, and which have been out away from settled people and those houses were damaged and burnt because there was Travellers mm. um, living in them. The earliest thing I can remember, which was reeling back the years, there was a protest in Ireland about the all-blacks, not the all-blacks, Yeah, no, not the all-blacks, the African team coming to Ireland. African rugby team. Yeah, the African rugby team in the 60s or something. I think it was in the early 60s. And there was a rake of Irish people having a protest about apartheid. And at the same time, there was a travelling family called the Furies. Mm-hmm. Might be related to Fimber, mm-hmm. but there was definitely the woman was the woman was a fury woman. She said her name, mm-hmm. and she got a house, and it said "knackers out, itinerants out," and yet you had the settled people protesting about South Africa, mm-hmm. Erf- which I totally agree with. I think apartheid is wrong. Mm-hmm. People should protest, but it's easy to protest as something that's in a different continent. Not yeah, but it's like people mm-hmm. talk about ah, oh, should just I have, have things really change, you know. Um, it, on on the back of such a terrible terrible tragedy, and I would like to send my condolences to both of the families, and they mm. will be they will be suffering for a long time after. Mm. But it's like yes, we we object to racism, we object to apartheid, mm. but uh, we don't want people in in our back door, and we don't want people living beside us who are members of the travelling community yeah. or the gypsy community. And we have, uh, as you know, now for the last couple of years, a very strong multicultural society. Yeah. And even before Christmas, we're expecting something like four or five thousand people from Syria. And I hope to God that those people get looked after properly because we're, we've open arms, you know. Mm-hmm. But when we get them in, are we looking after them? Are we treating them right? Mm. I mean, you have those um, you have those uh, refugee centres where people have been in there for the last twelve or fourteen years, living on something like sixteen or seventeen euros a week. Mm. I mean, there's something wrong with our. So we're, we're very open and we want to take people in, but when we get them in, are we doing anything about it? And I think that the attitudes have to change. I think
1: there is, yeah. Uh, the the whole uh, I think when people were protesting about immigrants coming in, they're saying, "What about our homeless?" Uh, but
0: yeah, yeah, well, look after
1: the homeless. Yeah. and look after the people who come in. That's yeah. what my opinion. But, but you know, it, it's like
0: I, I was having a pint here a couple of months ago in my local pub, um, uh, and I, I was asked the same question. He said, "Look, what, what about the homeless?" And I said, "Well, are you saying that it's the asylum seekers and refugees' fault that's coming in that we have a homeless problem?" Yeah, exactly. And they go, "What?" I said, "Well, they didn't create the problem. Society created the problem." Government mm. is not do nothing about it. And mm. as soon as we try and help one group, then they go back and talk about the other group. But just talk about the new immigrants um, 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 coming in. And I love the Multicultural Society yeah. because... Uh, I'm going to move your mic just a bit back. Is it too low, Joel? No,
1: it, no I'm... I'm, I'm uh, you're fine now.
0: Right, OK. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I remember uh, people say, well, I mean, how, can, how can we solve this problem between travellers and settled people? Yeah. And uh, I remember my daughter coming home one day yeah. And she was talking about being at school, you know, and she said, Jez, I had a great, great day today, Daddy. And I says, did you? She said, yeah, I learned mm. so much. And I says, what was it? She said, we had an African day. And I said, an African day? Mm. She said, yeah, there was two girls in our school, Daddy, from South Africa, from Nigeria. Mm. And we had a Nigerian day and they told us about their culture and their language and the food that they cook and the food they ate. Mm. And I said, that's great. And it was a good for you? Ah, Yeah, Daddy, was great. And I learned an awful lot. Why could they not do that with Travellers, Joe? Why yeah. can they not have a traveler's day? Yeah. Why can yeah. they not start with the young generation now? Mm. And then in fifteen or twenty years time we'll have a different society and a different outlook and a different attitude mm. when it comes to travelers and settled people. What are we going to be doing to try and trying to do deal with this fear that people have? Mm. The fear works both ways. Travellers are afraid of their natural lives to walk into a restaurant, to walk into a pub, to walk into a hotel in case they get refused. I know I'd imagine. I have two older daughters, Joe, that I love from my heart and travellers would do anything for their daughters when it comes to the wedding day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I got my two daughters married in this country. I wouldn't look for a hotel in this country because I, wouldn't, I can't deal with my children knowing that they, cou- they mightn't get a hotel because they're travellers. Mm. I went out to Spain. I brought 150 people with me. So we took 150 travellers out of the economy to spin money in Spain mm. because we could, we wouldn't be allowed to spend it in Ireland because of the discrimination and the prejudice. If you organise a hotel, you have to get a settled person to do it. If they find out they're travellers, they will cancel the hotel. Twice twice I was at two travellers' weddings where they knocked off the electricity and said it was a power cut. So the travellers had to leave. Really? This is what we're dealing with in this country. So we're taking money out of the economy. Now, there are incidents and there are... I mean, I can't sit here and say... Oh, no, no, uh, all travellers are genuine and everybody you know behaves uh, in a proper manner. There are members of the travelling community, mm-hmm. a very small member, who were involved in criminal activity and antisocial behaviour. Mm-hmm. But they need to be dealt with by the guards. The guards can't expect us to police that ourselves. They mm-hmm. wouldn't expect any other com- community to yeah. do it. So if somebody steps out a line or somebody causes trouble, you deal with it in the way the law should deal with it. You arrest them, you charge them, you prosecute them. I've mm-hmm. no problem with that, never did But condemning a whole community because of a handful is wrong. Completely wrong.
1: I know. Yeah. And uh, so when you were growing up, did you uh, have this idea that you would be an actor or did you, like... I, you
0: know, um, you know what I I said a few minutes ago, I love Western movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... When we'd be, uh, you know, looking at John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, after the film we were John Wayne and we were Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. But uh, Travellers were very fond of rock and roll. And when Elvis Presley came on, we were Elvis Presley. Yeah? Yeah, you'd have a stick with a pair of tights tied on, it and that was, your, that was your guitar. And you were walking down the site looking like Elvis and singing and having mm-hmm. a bit of crack and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, it, it was something that, I mean, I always feel, and I've said this a number of times, that Travellers, uh, especially kids, and, and young adults are the greatest actors that ever lived because they're dealing with settled people. They're communicating. They're trying to get you to buy something off them or they're trying mm. to sell you something or they're trying to get in there, you know, to trying to have the bit of crack with you. Mm. So they're great actors, but they're natural actors. Mm. But if you put them in front of a camera and say, action, they're gone. They're not acting anymore. Yeah. The frightens the shade are Really, yeah. So when, when we were doing King of the Travellers or when, when um, you know, when, when I'm doing anything with Travellers, I... I do encourage the them not to say action. Don't say action. Don't say action. Just say, you're ready, right, let's go. Because yeah. once you say action, you're a different person. So that's how I dealt with it. So, yeah, I have. I always had a bit of a bug. At
1: okay, what, what uh, age did you first do anything
0: well, I tell that you now, would
1: lead you towards a I, career?
0: I was 18 years of age mm-hmm. and I started with this um, uh, travel organisation at the time, which was called the Dublin Travellers Education Development Group. And there was two reasons why I joined it.
2: Mm.
0: One was the first time that there was a group of young men and women together. So there was 12 men and 12 women.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we were all on the dole and we are going to get an extra £20. And £20 in 1985 was a good few pounds, Joe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we went down for the £20 and the 12 young women. Yeah. That's the reason why we started there. That's
1: a yeah. reason a lot of men go on stage yeah. <laughs> it's for the women and the money. <laughs>
0: and, I, I, and actually, yeah, that's where I met my wife. Where oh, is it? We're nearly 30 years married coming up now, so that's where yeah. I met my wife. But I remember there was a, a, a writer called Anton Larda. Mm. You probably know his name. He was a scriptwriter and he wrote in Irish. Yeah. And he wanted to write this play about travellers and he wanted to make it authentic. Mm. So he got a group of young actors. Irish actors, and mm. then he organised a group of young travellers to mm. improvise with the actors to try and get the realism. Mm-hmm. And as I was improvising, uh, he seen something in me, and he says, "If I wrote a character in, would you play him?" And I went, "What?" He said, "I was thinking about this young character called Rocky," and I said, "He said he'd be a bit of a Teddy boy, you know, and he And I said, "Oh, jeez, I'd love that." Mm. And then I, he actually wrote me in, and I just jumped in. I didn't think about it, I man. At the time, I was travelling around with a group of settled people, which I've never done before. I was living with settled people, mm. and I kept bringing home. At that time there was no mobiles. So I kept bringing home to make sure that we weren't evicted or the site that we were living in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know you had all that, and I got bitten by the bug, and then I went from that to Row and from Glenrow to the Abbey, and mm. went around and just done different stuff, you know. And over the years, um, we've done a couple of films. And
1: so Row was the big, first big role you got. Big role? Did you do that before that play wise? Or, no, or no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. We just we done the play for but, six months, and we were going around to schools, and then it was to jump into, the, into 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 meeting people from Row who at that time were huge stars. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. talking about 1980. 88, 89 You know, we didn't have all these multi-channels. So you, you know, yeah. when I walked into the reading room, these were big stars. Mm. You know, you had Biddy, Miley, Dick, Mary, Dinny. You know, so yeah.
1: You, you, you was huge. Yeah. Uh, uh, the whole family sat down. Oh to watch yeah, yeah, and you know what I mean?
0: And then, and then, you know, the whole thing mm. of you know going out and being recognised was a whole new thing for me. And. Mm. You know, sometimes, uh, I was telling this story before, you walked into a pub and the barman would looked at you and you don't know if he's looking at you because you're a traveller you're going to get put out, or if you were this actor from Row and famous. you were all right to have a pint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you had to wait for the barman to come over and say, are you a man off the telly? Or somebody to say yeah. something like that before you felt comfortable. Yeah. And then you ordered a pint. So it's, you know, mm. but it was great experience. I learned so much in that. And looking at the likes of uh, Mick Lally, the Lord of Mirsten and Joe Lynch. Yeah. You would have learned a lot. Who were they like to work with? Oh, they were absolutely brilliant. You know, Mick Mick, Mick Lally was, um, you know, he was an absolute gentleman and he became a great great friend of the families and he was a great friend of my father's. I mean, one of the things I learned very quickly was that these big actors who you would have put up in a pedestal when you didn't know them were yeah. just ordinary people coming in to do their job. Yeah. To come into the reading, the how are you keeping and what's the crack and they do the reading and if you were in the episodes with them you got to see them and if you didn't you wouldn't see them until the next reading. Yeah. You know but people just come in and do their jobs even when you come in to do the scene you do the scene and right sure we'll see you next time. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And you'd sit down and have a cup of coffee at lunchtime. you'd have a chat about different things and you could walk into the dressing room and you go, you go into the green room and you see people asleep just waiting for their next yeah. scene you know? so it was just ordinary things you know yeah, yeah. and it settled, it actually settled me quite well
1: and how long uh, did you do Glenrow for? how many years I,
0: I think I went in in 1989 and I was uh, on and off uh, as a character until 2002
1: yeah all right. so it was a
0: good few years yeah, yeah right. and I learnt an awful lot in it and I have the highest respect for um, for all the actors who I worked with, and I learnt an awful lot from them. And it was great then to meet them outside of Row. Like I would have worked mm. with Mick on the Abbey stage, and I worked with a couple of people through short films and other films that I worked in. So it was great to meet people outside of Row as well, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then after Glenro, what was your was Man About Dogs around that time, uh, or was that a,
0: no Man uh, About Dog was in two thousand and three. Sorry, yeah, two thousand and three was Man About Dog because my yeah. father was in it, Lord of Mersim, He died in two thousand and seven, right. and then uh, I done Man mm. About Dog, which was shoot hugely successful and yeah, then massive, yeah. and then I worked with you yours, I worked with yourself and Pat Short in Killing the Scully yeah. yeah yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. then uh, we, uh, we done I think we done Pavi Lackey in and, and all Pavi
1: Lackey it's yeah. an amazing
0: film it, you know something um um it done huge. It was huge. It it was it, it won so many awards all over the world. Man. You know, so it was hugely successful and it was just brilliant. You know, and it was it was a lovely story and the kids in it were so natural. They were one, They were just. So, they were absolutely natural.
1: But the way actor. it's shot, it's almost like a documentary, isn't it? Yeah,
0: like, yeah. Well, Perry Ogden would disagree with you, there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah he would. Yeah. yeah. He'd say that it was and it was a film. But I, I mean, I, I mean, I would say personally it was a film, but it had a slight touch of a documentary. Yeah. yeah, That's without getting upset in Perryog of which I have the highest respect for. And
1: seeing the way it's shot, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. It's but it fun. was
0: hugely successful, you know. And it yeah. won the best film award in Ireland and in Venice and America, so it was a huge thing for Perry. And Perry put an awful lot of time into it. And, and put a lot of money into it. English filmmaker, right? Yeah, well, he's he's, he's actually a photographer. He does. Oh, he goes he goes all over the world shooting, uh, 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 taking photographs of models and very high class people, and then yeah. he came back and put the money into the film. So
1: and so, but he seemed to have a great understanding of the whole culture. And well,
0: that. he I think you know, in all fairness, he'd done a great job with that family that he worked with because yeah. that family was kind of you know they were kind of on the border of you know between Traverse and settled people, and kind of nobody wanted them that type thing, you know. Yeah, they were kind of out. Out, out on the limb, as they say, and he yeah. looked after them very well, and he was very, very good to them. And he, you know, he wasn't one of these people that just came in and got what he wanted and fucked off. Yeah. You know, he stood there, and he still has contacts with them. Yeah. And I have the highest respect of him for that. And I have seen people who come in, uh, done stuff with travellers, and then never got in touch with them again. And then if the thing goes belly up for the travellers, no, there's nobody around to answer. Only the travellers. Yeah. And that's not right. And that's not the way it should work.
1: No, no, no! Wow. Wow. I just—I think that is an amazing film. Pavi yeah, Lacky. I love it. Amazing. I love it.
0: Yeah. No, there was but enough was it, was, it, was it
1: shot over a long period, or uh, it, uh,
0: would you believe I was filming Man About Dog in the weekdays, and I was doing Lacking on the weekends? Yeah. So that's the type of budget we were on, and that's the type of time we had. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: And, uh I mean, most of the young actors and some of the older actors couldn't read and write, so we'd go down and we improvise uh, some of the stuff with them. Yeah, and then we'd shoot, we shoot it then, you know. So it was it was pretty. So you just had
1: a kind of vague idea of what's meant to happen, is it? And then you just yes, and then you'd come in and
0: do it, and I mean, yeah. yeah, and you know, like it, 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 it was shot very well, and uh, that's what I mean. It has that natural
1: feel. Yeah. But so. It's people not just delivering the lines that...
0: No, and yeah. also you have... Uh, which was It was my first time to see it being done, which is very, very clever. It's mm. actually a roaming camera. So you have one camera which is filming to the actors and then you have this camera that roams around the place right. taking shots of everybody doing their lines. and So when it comes to editing... You always, had so, you always had something to work on. Yeah, yeah, So it's a great idea and I think it should yeah. be done in most films, well, every film of it would be, We have this Roman camera going around just taking shots of...
1: So then you have something to cut to. Something
0: to cut to, exactly. Yeah, and because and, and, yeah. sometimes uh, it, when you're working with people who who haven't acted before and you're trying to get them to improvise, sometimes it mightn't come across natural.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you're actually talking to them and this Roman camera's going around and you move away and you go, shoot that, don't say action, you get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, it works well like that, you know?
1: And uh, was King of the Travellers around the same time or after that? Oh, then? King of the
0: Travellers was a couple of years after that. Yeah. We, yeah, we tried to get that young one uh, in to play a part, but she wasn't interested. Really? Uh, yeah, young Winnie. Um, she just uh, she was married with two children. And, and she hasn't acted, since. No, she hasn't. Jeez. And she was so natural. Actually, she yeah. was nominated for um, uh, that film uh, as Best Actress in the awards. Yeah. Which was up ke- up against a couple of big Irish names. Yeah. And she just lost out, but she was, you know, nominated for best actress, which ah. was a big huge achievement for her first film. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: God, I can't believe she hasn't acted since
0: hasn't acted since. And yeah. now and now is the mother of two kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh well pity well, yeah. all right. And so maybe maybe she might come back in. You hopefully, never know, hopefully, you, know hopefully. you know these stories can always have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah come yeah. back in and be successful again.
1: Yeah, yeah. so with the King of the Travellers is a very different thing do you like you've got the uh, a lot of you're talking about the cliches we talk about with Mm, Travellers do you not think some of those cliches are in King of the Travellers
0: they they are yeah Mm. they are I mean the fist fight is there and the big wedding is there yeah uh, the fist fight uh, is there I mean it's always something that I, I, I as I told you I disagree with um, mm-hmm. I'd sooner if people sat down and talked to each other instead of fucking fighting each other I don't think it works anymore it might have worked 30 or 40 years ago and mm-hmm. people would have shook hands and forgot about it it doesn't happen anymore John mm-hmm. and people that believe that it does um, are kidding themselves that's to be honest now and I know mm-hmm. I know I would have a di- completely different opinion than Johnny Connors, Johnny Connors has,
1: is, this. Connors yeah well, it's uh, in uh,
0: yeah, well you know I'm, uh, he's in totally in favour I'm totally against it because mm. uh, I've it's seen is it
1: because of uh, the internet and YouTube and that yes. it doesn't,
0: it, yeah, well, the image it's is all not, this
1: kind of baiting and going on over uh,
0: Yeah, but it's not the same as it was. Years ago, you had two families who had a dispute, another family would step in, two fellas would go out and fight out the back road to shake hands and it was forgot about. Mm. Now it's about money, it's about territory, it's about bullying, mm. you know, you, you, there's, it's, there's an awful lot of elements creeping into it. Uh, people that uh, just want to go out and fight and say that I'm better than you and I'd bait you and I'd bait your brother next and I'd bait somebody else after that. Mm. That's where it's not stopping. Yeah. So I'd sooner people would just talk or I mean, it's, it's 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 illegal to go out and fist fight now. So, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is if you look at those videos of the fist fights, you see the guards standing there with their arms folded letting this happen. There's another element that Mm. is creeping in which should be dealt with straight away and knocked on the head so mm. I would appeal to the ministers out there or whoever's controlling the guards to say listen you arrest those people they're breaking the law that's my motto mm. I think people need to sit down and talk because we've another generation of young people coming so behind you, us So you're basically we saying
1: that, that the guards or the authorities are just not getting involved it's almost like oh that's the way they are kind of thing <laughs> so you can't stop it kind of thing or is it
0: I have a line uh, a scene in one of my shows Joe which is in this new show now called Foxy Uh, I remember walking down to a police car uh, because they were expecting trouble on the site that I lived in one time Mm. and I knocked at the window and I said to the guard excuse me guard look at these people are terrified in here and is there any chance you could come in and you know or else go out the road and stop those people from coming in and he Mm. just turned around and says "But don't you people you know deal with that yourselves don't you solve your own problems Mm -hmm. Joe that was 15 or 20 years ago hasn't changed much I went down to Temple Moor to give talks to young guards who were under maybe their second. And, you have to go through three different levels, uh, you know, before you pass as a guard. Mm-hmm. I think we might have got them in their first period, mm-hmm. and their attitudes were, were, were very much the same. You know, but you, do, I wouldn't go out for trouble, side, But you don't, you solve your own mm. problems, and I think that's where the problem lies, and that's where the relationship between travellers and, and travellers and guards lie. You know that we don't. We're, travellers are more afraid of seeing a guard walking onto a site than anything else just what do they want, or are they looking for it? do we do something, or do they have the right person people with guards uh, in the early 80s and 90s would arrive up and say uh, can I search your place And well, do you have a search warrant, no but if I come back with one I'll tear your place alive so you, are you going to let me search it alright guard, you go ahead and search it guard came to my door one time and knocked it and he says we're here to search the place and I said well do you have a warrant and he said no but I can get one and, and if I come back he said I'll tear this place alive so I said to him, go ahead. And he just looked at me and said, no, it's all right. And he walked away. He just wanted to see what my reaction was. And I, I mean, these are true stories. These are things that would have happened. Why did he come to your house? No, we were living on a site. Are oh, you on a site. Yeah, they had, they, they, they had a search warrant for one place, but they wanted to search all, everybody's mm. places, which it's against the law. You have mm. to have a... Mm-hmm. So, but he just felt that, that because we were travellers that he could do what he wanted. And when I said, yeah, go ahead, I have nothing to hide. He says, no, it's all right. And he just walks out the door. So you I mean you have that fear. There's a fear between the relationship between guards and and and, and, mm. and travellers. And that's something else that we did try to deal with. And Pavi Pint and the Irish Traveller movement would send people down and talk to young guards that are coming out now. You know, and I've often met guards on the street would say, Jeez, I remember when you came to Temple and I'd say, Did you find it useful? And he said, Oh Jeez, yeah, we did. Mm. So you mean I'm hoping that the attitude has changed But but
1: it's very depressing what happened recently. With very depressing,
0: very depressing. And and you know something, uh, mm. I don't know, but I just felt alien down. I, I felt like I was living in a, in, in a different country when I was in Maxford the other day. I just mm. felt so, I felt heartbroken for both the travellers and the settled people. I just said to myself, this is, it just knocked me back, you know. Mm. And I was, I mean, because you put so much effort into trying to change people's images and To break down barriers and to try and deal with fears, and then all of a sudden, you know, the power is there, and we're not part of that system Mm, that they can just do.
1: That the Ireland has to deal with. They have to deal with it. And you
0: know something, uh, Joe, um, Mm. if they don't deal with it with the Traverse, it's going to explode. And I think it's going to explode, and it's going to it's going to land up on top of other groups like the, the asylum seekers and refugees, and the black mm. communities. I mean, the black communities now. If you go to uh, talk to any of the Nigerian people or the people from 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 Africa, the the name Colin is still there. The 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 racism is still there. There's people have been
1: burnt out of their houses. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, it's not reported uh, yeah. in the mainstream media, but like uh, you yeah, get the local paper, the Drought Independent or the yeah. Meat Chronicle. There's yeah. a black. Family's been burnt out of houses. Yeah,
0: and just I mean, the word yeah. nigger is, is really getting used an awful lot now. Yeah. I mean, the word knacker and the word nigger is the two most hateful words I can think of in the English language. And it's been used all the time. Mm. And even even me today, I would hear young travellers at that as well, not just young settled people. Mm. So something that we need to knock on the head and we need to do that very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because what we're going to have is we're going to have a very uh, hostile uh, society in a couple mm-hmm. of years' time if it's not dealt with. And as I said, there's a simple way of dealing with it. You go to schools, you, go, you 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 do something with the curriculum, you try and organise talks, you try to organise somebody to write a book about the African community, you try to get something about the travelling community, get the young kids to read it, invite travellers in, invite other groups in to have a chat with these young people. Show that there's nothing to be afraid of and there's mm-hmm. no fear there and that we all just want to live. I mean, the most important thing in life for me is that my family that I could rear my family, that they could get married, settle down, get a good job and rear their family and be be polite and respectful to people. Mm-hmm. If you meet somebody who's not respectful or not polite, you say fair enough and you move on. Mm-hmm. But if you meet nice people, you deal with them that way. That's just the way I think mm-hmm. that society should go. Not this hostile thing of, oh, they're black and we're white and they're travellers and we're settled people. You know, it just doesn't work.
2: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
0: work. And it never will. Yeah. You know, I mean, we had this wonderful uh, law change that are there now where gay people the referendum where gay people mm. can uh, get married and the politicians were going around clapping themselves in the backs and people in the world were saying, Isn't Ireland such a wonderful place? And I'm just sitting in the chair looking at and going Not really. No. No, not There's really a There's a lot to be done. But that yeah. is a great start and I have yeah. an awful lot of gay friends and mm. uh, you know, some of them got married a couple of years ago, and now they have to get married again because you know. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I'll be invited to the next uh, uh, gay wedding because the first one I went to was brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah.
0: yeah. had a wonderful time, and you know, it's it's great, and that's that's a positive move. And I think that, that that there's more moves that there's more things that can be created. But we are is we are living in a very hostile society, and people mm. have the power in this country to really, really hurt and damage other people in other communities, and that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah.
1: I was going to get... Do you mind if I just get a quote there that I had written yeah. there?
0: No, go ahead there. She because, gets me, uh, yeah. it
1: just shocked me, the kind of thing that was... I can find it. Yeah. Because I was doing a bit of research, so I was, uh, I was amazed at what people can get away with. People in authority... What yeah, they yeah,
0: like councillors and, and, and politicians and stuff like that, yeah. There's a fellow called Sean
1: McIniff, Donegal councillor, former director of Borfa, and person of the year 1996 in Donegal. He said travellers should be segregated.
2: Yes.
0: This is
1: a man in authority. Well... Fianna Fáil, of course.
0: Well, well, <laughs> yeah, have you got another quarter, Joe? And
1: then there's a judge, Seamus Hughes, a former Fianna Fáil TD, uh, about travellers, they are like Neanderthals hiding in the long grass, abiding by the laws of the jungle.
0: There you are. And this yeah. is a, a judge. Judge. Yeah.
1: He also said about social welfare should be given for, as food vouchers to stop them from spending money on drink and drugs. And here's a man who claimed forty two thousand euro in expenses in two thousand and twelve. So. Uh, yeah.
0: So, but it just shows you what they can get away with. <laughs> I but, know. but Joe, I, I remember no. Joe right in 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 the in the mid eighties. Uh, just there's, there's one quick thing I'm going to say, and then I'll get back to that story. Is that Pierce Stoddard, Pierce who's Sinn Féin, mm. was talking about um, travellers in Donegal and travellers in society, and that um, that councillors who would go to try and try and get voted in would go on the backs of travellers. That if, if you get me in, I'll get them out. And he was asked a straight question, Pierce mm. Doherty. and he's a straight enough man. Now I have to say, he said, "Were well, you asked to get travellers out?" And he said, "I was, but I wouldn't go on that ticket." Mm. But there are people out there going, and there's still today. Councillors knocking at the doors of settled people and saying, You get me in, I'll get them out. Now, Joe, there shouldn't be any room, mm. no room in politics for that type of thing. No. Because if that was said about black people, Chinese people, or gay people, them fellas would be drop kicked out of the party. I know, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, when it comes to travellers, it's grand, it's tolerated and get away with it. Mm. In the early 80s, a councillor got up and said in, in the chambers that, as far as he's concerned, that all travellers should be tagged like cattle really so we can know where they're make, where they're where they're moving that he want to know where our movements so they should be tagged he got away with it another councillor said that there's a prison uh, at the Spike Island that all travelers should go should be should be made go and live on Spike Island so we we know where they are these are quotes you, you all mm-hmm. you do is go into youtube or the internet and you will find all those quotes and i can't ever remember of any councillor Mm. being expelled
1: No I'm sure this No is still none of them. Still a but judge. yet if I'm <laughs> said about
0: any other group in our society
2: uh.
0: as I said and I love using the word they'd be drop kicked out of the party uh. and I think that the minister and these uh, politicians that who who are in power now should say listen there is no room for that type of behaviour
2: mm. or
0: that type of racism in mm. politics in Ireland mm. and it shouldn't be but as you know you have judges there and you have uh, councillors just getting away with it and that's the reality and if people
1: like that can say things like that in public and get away with it then then residents will feel they can uh, protest about well see
0: this is why I'm saying uh, Joe, quite that openly that, yeah you know. but this is why I'm saying that you know people say to me have things changed I mean as far as I'm concerned I mean there, there are and, and I have to stay I have to I mean I can't say this enough there are an, an awful lot of very decent Irish people out there very decent Irish citizens who wouldn't hear telly doing this mm. But there's more than a majority. I mean, if you even take the polls that was done in the newspapers in the last while back, compare even just after the aftermath of those those ten people being burned to death, mm. which can still happen in, in in any part of the country, because mm. there's travellers still living in that in those type of conditions, living in mobile homes with no with no um, wall in the middle to stop the trailers from from, from catching on fire, mm. live wires running from one mobile to the other. This is still going on today, mm. and it can still happen. But you have, uh, um, you know, these, uh, um, I can't think of the name of it. What was I saying about the, the polls? The polls in the newspapers. Yeah. And the majority of people would still say that they'd sooner have, uh, I remember one quote, I'd sooner have an AIDS victim living beside me than a traveller. I'd sooner have a black person living beside me than a traveller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd sooner uh, let a rapist marry my daughter than a traveller. You know, do you know how hurtful that is? People just don't realise. And yet the media would print this shit. Yeah. And allowed to get away with printing it. Yeah. That's a sight of the hatred. There's a law there that's saying you can get charged for this. Pavey Pint and the Irish travel movement have done their best to take cases against journalists. Not worth the hope.
1: Really? doesn't
0: work. Weak law. Not worth a shite. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And have you... I know you've written a few one man plays isn't it? I have and yeah have you dealt with this or what kind of do you deal with this I've,
0: I've dealt with uh, well the first play was called Cultural Thing which would be uh, the history of travellers from the 1960s uh, mm. and I start off talking to my daughter and I tell my daughter my story as a child so I go into a child character and the stories would, would it be around accommodation mm. uh, the school and having to go to the special school mm, mm. you know and then uh, the whole thing about um, you know uh, playing football and um, with uh Travellers team going down to this uh, seven aside and uh, we got into 2nd or 3rd place and we went down to the local pub to collect our trophies and they wouldn't let us in, they yeah. gave us the trophies outside the door which has happened a number of times in Finglas and, uh, you know, it was a very sad situation for us and we all got disheartened and we wouldn't play for the settled people anymore any so we met our own Travellers team
2: yeah.
0: and, uh, you know, when we used to go on the pitch there was a bit of hostility there between the Travellers and the settle people because of what happened but the team was great and we I mean, some people just went out to play football and enjoyed it and that's what we tried to do. Yeah. And then the second play was called Mobile which dealt with the whole issue of fist fighting. Uh, it was about two young cousins who grew up together and who married two sisters and this argument happened in a pub and because they had two different family names they were matched off to fight each other and it was one of trying to come to terms with how do I do this? How do I go out and fight my best friend and my cousin? Where does this lead to? Yeah. So I was asking questions that people were asking and that I was trying to get people to ask. Yeah. And then the third one was called Worlds Apart Saint Difference where a young woman was uh, where a young woman uh, um, left a domestic uh, relationship and Uh, she left it because she was pregnant and she went to England trained as a nurse had the baby then met this beautiful uh, black Nigerian man fell in love with him married him and had two kids then she became unwell and she came home to Ireland she came home to Ireland but she didn't make it but she gave the husband a letter to find the family but she never told him that it was a traveller family so the whole thing between the black and the white and the new the new um, communities and the racism came up in that and then the last one was called Magpies in the Pylon which was very successful and it was about uh, based on uh, suicide, a young fellow dies by suicide, but it's from the father's perspective. And the reason why I wrote it is uh, suicide in the travelling in, in the settled community is really, really high, as we know. Mm-hmm. But it's seven times higher in the travelling community. So it was an issue that was close to heart, and I had done it around the country, and I got a powerful reaction. And I mean, all I'm looking for is a bit of funding to bring it around. To it's even though the story is based in the travelling community, which all my stories are, the issues are about society and society the best audience you could get is a mixture between Travers and Settled People because even the Settled People who would come and see the show five minutes into the show they would forget that it's It's based in the Travers community and that it's about suicide yeah yeah. and the stories I heard around the country from both Travers and Settled People would make the hair stand on the back of your neck about suicide people young people uh, children people in their 60s people who are rich people who are poor it doesn't really matter suicide has no barriers racism has no barriers discrimination has no barriers it goes right through society and the reaction was brilliant and I'm hoping that I you know that's uh, it can get a bit of funding to bring it around you know it's just to pay my wages and to pay the guy there's only two of us in it to do sounds and lights and bring it around to as many communities as I can because one of the biggest problems uh, out there is that people who go through this uh, losing a person through suicide let it be um Uh, a boy or a girl or an older man or a younger child is that after three or four days and after the funeral is over, these people are left on their own and they think that they're on their own and they're not. They need to get out, Joe. They need to talk to people. They need to know that there's somebody out there to talk to. And the best way of dealing with this situation is talking to people. But what happens is they get so caught up in the whole thing and the unanswered questions and why did they do it? They end up turning to drink or alcohol or drugs and end up killing themselves.
1: Do you think there's a bit of shame that you're you're Son or your
0: Do you, there is brother. a stigma attached to it, Joe, Statement but the, Yeah, but there shouldn't be. And yeah, there is yeah. there is a bit of shame, but there shouldn't be. Yeah, you know, yeah. this this needs to be this needs to be thrown right out into the middle of society. Mm-hmm. This needs to be banged on the television all the time. This needs to be talked about on the radio. People need to hear this every single day of every minute. Mm. No, there's not a stigma attached to it. No, you shouldn't be ashamed. Yes, this is a problem for society. There should be funding put into suicide groups. Mm-hmm. There should be put funding put into people that can go and talk to of other people mm. once people start telling the story I remember women uh, settle women and traveller women waiting in the foyer after I finished the play mm. just to talk to me about their situation mm. now Joe you're, you're a comedian and you know if you're on stage for an hour an hour and 15 minutes it takes you about 5 hours to come down
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I would walk out and I would try and do my best to listen to those people because even though I, I, maybe I didn't even have maybe not hear half of what he says mm. but I would act as if I'm listening to every word they're saying because they need that. Mm. They need they walk away feeling that somebody else is listening to them. And that's not really my job. These so-called experts out there they need to be doing that. Mm. You know they need to be they need to be suicide awareness groups not in every county in every town. Because it's no good having it in the county if I can't get out of every town. Mm. It needs to be in every town and in every community. And people should be trained you should take people out of the travelling community people who are the, the African community the Chinese communities, people from the inner city train them to talk to their own people mm. because then they're closer and they know exactly now these people told me that they wouldn't talk to settled people about it but yet they talk to me mm. so you know what I mean if, they're, if, they, if they feel comfortable talking to the travellers about it mm. then we train these other travellers to go and talk to them
1: mm.
0: because this is a huge issue and it's not Why going Why is away. it
1: seven times higher in the travelling community?
0: Joe, I've been asked that question a hundred million one times and the only problem about suicide is there's no answer. You can't answer it because Mm. it's not just one thing. But the only thing I can say about uh, the the suicide in the travelling community, um, I'd say that uh, the discrimination and racism and people's attitude does not help. Mm. Um, Sexuality, I mean, uh, if if one in ten people are gay, that means there's 10,000 travellers gay. Or they're gay or lesbian, so you mm. know that's a struggle in itself. Uh, the unemployment thing is a struggle in itself. Uh, young people being isolated um, mm. is a struggle. So you can't actually, you know, say what cause what what is causing suicide because there's a range of different is things. There
1: higher uh, alcoholism.
0: Yeah. Did, I mean, you could put it down to alcoholism. You could put mm. it down to unemployment. You could put it down it's to all, sexuality. They're, I mean, all they're all connected. connected yeah, yeah, but but I I still think though Joe that one of the worst. Uh, mm. Because, you know, in all fairness, and I, I'd be, I mean, I, I couldn't sit here and not say that travellers don't have a problem with people being gay and lesbian. Mm. It's a very huge problem. Yeah. It's not acceptable at all in the travelling community. Mm. Only in the last couple of years, people have come out and said they're gay. Mm. But it's still not accepted. And people look down and people go, yes, need you hear about your man? You know, and it does happen. Mm. And I think they, we need to be talking to our own people as well. You know, but they, 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 it's been people's attitudes and the way life is in Ireland for travellers at the moment would have, uh, you know, a, an awful lot to do with it. I mm. think, personally, myself. Mm. But then, you know, you hear other stories and you go, when you hear about these young, wealthy, young, wealthy travellers mm. with two or three children married to a beautiful woman, their own business, walking out into the shed and hanging themselves. So it's not money. It's not un- it's not unemployment. It's, it's a range of different... There's no answer to it. The only answer is that we need to knock this in the head and talk to people mm. and say to people, you're not on your own, or try and catch people you know let people know that there is help out there because in all fairness mental uh, illness is a thing in Ireland that we don't talk about Mm. there's a huge stigma attached to that I mean if especially in the travelling community could you imagine somebody coming out and saying oh do you see your man there yeah god help him he's not right in the head you know people say that still say that today Mm, mm. so who's going to want any member of their family be to be stigmatised like that, they're not like, going to say. Yeah,
2: they're
0: not going to say. Well, my child has a bit of a you know an issue. You know, they're not going to say it. They're going to try and hide it. Mm. And then they hide it that long, it becomes too late. Mm-hmm. When their son is hanging from a pylon or killed in a single car crash or drones himself, it's too late then. Mm. Then they say, "Jesus, I wish to God had to tell somebody." Get out and tell somebody. Mm. Talk about it. Get out there and do something about it. Mm. We need to be talking. That's all I say now about that.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, I've uh, worked with you. For some reason, we've we've worked together a lot recently. We just accidentally, we've oh, been yeah. two yeah. different films, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, we have. We, yeah. And we've had long car journeys. We had
0: long car drives, yeah, which are, uh, I'd like to thank you one air for the lifts home, <laughs> <laughs> which were long car drives. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm done travelling the country that can't go home right. I'm always taking wrong roads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, no, I just think your attitude is amazing. You're so open about all... All aspects of society. You know, you, you you said you've been to gay weddings. You've been, you know, you, yeah. You, you, well, it's the, just a great attitude. Well,
0: the thing, uh, Joe, that I've learned through the acting is that um, you'd be surprised how many people can read you. Yeah. You know, and if you're not honest, I mean, the, the most uh, I think the most most beautiful gift any mm. actor has is vulnerability. Mm. and if you're telling a story and you're vulnerable they know you're vulnerable on stage telling that story mm. it makes them accept you more Right. Yeah. you know I feel that I can feel the audience I know when I have the audience I mean mm. there's, there's a couple of plays that when I do the one man shows I do stop deliberately for 10 seconds and I hear
1: nothing the silence
0: and I know they're right in the palm of my hand mm. and I could pause for 5 minutes and they wouldn't still say anything because I know I have them and once I have them mm. that's when I do my job And that's when I really, really enjoy it. And that's one of the greatest feelings in the world, knowing that they're listening to every word that I'm saying and listening to it and taking it in. Now, they might go away, as you know. Audience, you could be 20 people in an audience and you have 20 different opinions about what they've seen in the show, but at least they're going away with something.
1: Oh when you get when you when there's a silence. Oh it's brilliant. That's yeah, a, absolutely no one's brilliant. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, you yeah. could hear a pin drop sometimes. Yeah. And I do it deliberately so I'm I'm actually a bit reassuring myself as well. Yeah. You know, that they're following me, they're waiting for my next word, you know. Mm. But I think Magpies was uh, it was one of the hardest it's one it's a it's a beautiful piece of drama and it's mm. I, I mean, I think it's one of the best written pieces of work I have. Mm. But um it was a very difficult show for me to do. I done it for a week in the new theatre there and I think I finished on Saturday and uh, I don't know if I woke up till Monday. I can't remember the. the I just went gone. I was gone. I yeah, you know. I know you told me, all right That yeah. you actually lose weight. Uh, while, yeah, while, I do. Yeah, yeah. Doing, uh, you lose weight. Um, I, I don't eat properly. I don't. You know. It just. You, you. You burn off so much energy in that hour and fifteen minutes. But yeah. people don't understand. Is it takes you about three hours. To recover just to come down, you yeah, know. So yeah. you kind of sneak into the corner and you're trying to have a pint without anybody. Because when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're going, Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they go away and you come down, you're saying to yourself, Jesus, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can't like, remember yeah, yeah, remember, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. anything. And then I yeah. go, oh God, and then I meet them next time. And I go, oh, did Min you have a chat? Oh, we did, Michael. Yeah. and I said, I hope <laughs> it made sense. Yeah. Oh, you did, yeah, you did. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's all part of it, you know, but you would lose weight doing those shows because the energy you live off, you know, it's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. but I mean, it's part of the work and I enjoy it.
1: Well, I hope you get funding to do more of that. Um, well,
0: you mean, the shows are there and, you know, cultural thing would be, uh, I've been asked a number of times I had teachers coming to see the show and Mm. why is it not part of the curriculum why don't you get in and do Mm. it for the students and I said look at I tried all I need is somebody to ring me and say listen we'd love you to come to our school to put the show on and we got a bit of funding for it Mm. thank you very much what time I'll be there you know that's all it takes Mm. you know and there is as I said when my child came home that time talking about South Africa and the Nigerian two, the two Nigerian girls and she learned so much from them mm. you know what would people learn from my daughter telling her story mm. you know about travellers and about where she is and where she came from and so I mean it's 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 a simple way of dealing with breaking down the barriers taking away that fear mm. people seeing that travellers are travellers and accept them as travellers but they're also Irish society, citizens and they should be accepted and respected the same as everybody else mm. and if somebody breaks the law like I said let the law deal with it. Yeah, we don't yeah. need to deal with it. Let them deal with it. That's mm. their job. Mm. That's their job.
1: Well, listen. Thanks a million for for coming and chatting to me. That was no problem at all. Brilliant, brilliant. And good um, luck with the play. And yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm delighted to uh, get the opportunity because you've been chasing me for a while I've and trying to get you for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and I was very consci- bad
1: coverage up your end. Uh,
0: oh, it's uh, terrible. Laws, <laughs> Yeah, on, on yeah, the, on yeah. I, mobile. I think they're going to put up some kind of an amp so I'll be able to people will be able to contact me. But oh, I usually give people my email, so it's not too bad. So because it comes up in Catherine's phone, Catherine said, there's somebody looking for you?" Yeah. So yeah. that's not too bad.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> she has I had people looking me for a, a couple of days. All right, but uh, sure. What's meant for you won't pass you by.
1: That's true. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Michael. No problem at all. Well, that was a really interesting chat with Michael and I think we bro- it was good to broach that whole subject of um, how the travellers and settled people are... It's just not working at the minute in Ireland and I think, you know, we all have our prejudices. We all have little prejudices that you can't help. It's part of being human, but there's no we're gonna if we don't mix and just get to know each other then the situation isn't gonna move on and and these kind of uh, knee jerk reactions I think are not helping in any way so uh, yeah I mean I've had I've had um, John Connors Michael Collins Finn Fury and and they're three of the nicest people I've ever met so unless you get to know people who are in the travelling community you you will hang on to these prejudices and vice versa as well so uh, yeah listen uh, thanks for listening and and, uh, please subscribe if you're on iTunes and and leave a review as I said and uh, if you go on the Castaway Media website there's uh, lots more podcasts as well including 7.38am and Not Now Cato with you know great interviews with very interesting people and well worth checking out. Um, Yeah next week I'm going to have I believe Ronan McManus who is very famous brother called Declan McManus, uh, also known as Elvis Costello. But he is a great musician in his own right, and we had a great chat in Galway while he was playing a gig down there. So that's that's what's happening next week. Yes, yeah? so I'd like to thank Andrew Magan for producing and Daniel Rooney for the music. Please uh, keep sending me uh, tweets if you're on Twitter. If you do the Twitter, I'm at uh, Joe Rooney1 and I'm on I have a Facebook fan page as well um, I, I don't I hate saying fan page but that's what they're called and you can get me on the website www.joerooneycomedian.com you can send me an email there and, and, and that's what I want you know I just want an interaction and uh, I, I, I have had great reaction from last week's and uh, uh, just keep it up keep it up keep it up ok see ya Bye-bye, bye bye bye
0: This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now?
2: Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.